Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. If you've got some interior design questions that need answering, then stay tuned for Roisin's interview with architect and interior designer Denise O'Connor coming up later in today's podcast. Now, though, I am joined in studio by two acrobats who are here to talk to me about their participation in the Leia Healthcare City Spectacular, which returns to Dublin and Cork this July. It is riveting stuff, let me tell you. I don't know how they do it. Molly Kazan and Glory Deerling, a.k.a. the Silver Starlets. You're both very welcome to the podcast. Molly. Yes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up on a small farm. I did. In Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. And Glory, you'd grow up in Manhattan. Well, You're I'm a most unlikely pairing. Yes. <laughs> I moved to Toronto when I was young, but my entire family is from the States. Right. And tell us a bit about your background, Molly. Uh, Well, I actually started off as a rhythmic gymnast. So I competed for Canada and international national competitions. Uh, And then I went to university for dance. So I actually have a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Ryerson University in Toronto, Canada. Uh, And then after that, I uh, started circus. I was really fortunate about that. I always grew up as the kind of... um, the gymnast that was more artistic and fluid and then the dancer that was more athletic. Uh, so it was really, circus was a perfect mix of finding both wor- worlds. Yeah, how, how did you discover that circus was the perfect mix? Oh, I, I you know, I saw, I did see um, Cirque du Soleil Alegria probably when I was maybe not even 10 years old and it was coming through Toronto probably in the early mid-90s. And uh, yeah, I was just like, that. I want to do that. So it was always in the back of my head. Uh, and then when I graduated from Ryerson, I... Um, had some another friend that was working for them, and I was like, "Wow, it's possible!" Like people that are in my my world are doing it. You know, my peers are in it because I kind of had this time in my life where I was like, "I can't." That's that's beyond me now. But um, I ended up auditioning for them and, and got in, so I'm in their talent uh, roster and pool. But I love doing what I do. So, <laughs> well, what about you? You moved to Canada. Um, Glory. I, yes, I I started out as a competitive acro dancer, so it's dance mixed with gymnastics in high school. Um, I also have a bit of a background in figure skating, so growing up I did that. And um, then I went to university for theatre uh, at York University in Toronto, and then I fell in love with circus and started training in it after my degree. It's similar. It sounds like you have the most fantastic choices available to you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would even occur to most people to think I, that's what I want to do, Molly. That's true. I'm very supportive of my parents. My parents were fantastic with saying, you know, you can do it any, anything you want, but as long as you get a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they, they both have degrees. And for them, it was super important growing up that they got degrees from their parents because their parents didn't have higher education. So it was really important for them that, you know, me and all my siblings have that. And it was great. They're like, oh, you can get in dance. That's fine. But just 
to do it. Yeah, because I'm kind of intrigued that you came from this small farm background mm-hmm. outside a city, in a small mm-hmm. town, I presume, outside a yep. city. Yep. And yet you saw these infinite possibilities. That's true. And you know what? I, I blame, I blame, that's the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my influence actually as well on my family and my father. My father is a farmer, so he's an entrepreneur. Uh, himself, which really I just, I mean, we're, we're circus performers, we're artists, we're performers, we're athletes, we're entertainers, but really we're also entrepreneurs in that sense. We're small business owners ourselves. So, yes. you know, I kind of feel like that. My parents were never nine to fivers or anything. So I, I got a bit of that influence from them too. And Glory, what about you? Were your parents delighted when you said what you wanted to do? Um, well, my father was in a big name in advertising in New York City. Um, he was very creative, an amazing, amazing uh, communicator, creative person. And my mother, she was also into theater as well. So it's kind of performing is a little bit in my uh, in my family. My nana was in in some old films with Fred McMurray and you know, just really exciting family sort of performance. But I'm the first of my family to go into circus arts. So I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm not even that aware of how many circuses there are left in the world. Mm-hmm. Is it is it, it to find a circus, Molly? Is it, I mean, do you have a choice? You do have choices. You do have a lot more, especially here in Europe. There's a lot more of the uh, traditional family circuses that are still around. And, and, and obviously America, North America has has a lot more as well of the old traveling circuses of the railroad days. And those are still around. I mean, we have lost recently in the past two years ago now, it was that we lost the Ringling Brothers, the Barnum and Baileys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't unfortunately survive after they stopped having the elephants in their circus. Um, that big attraction was gone. So I think they lost a lot of people coming to see their shows. Mm-hmm. But there are still a lot of circuses around. Now Cirque du Soleil is really modernized circus. That's the first thing we get when we tell people we're circus performers is, oh, did you ever want to do this, uh, that Soleil? And like, so it's fantastic. They're bringing it back around to... Um, to be more mainstream. What I think is also really cool is that before the era of film, it was Mm. all circus. So you had the Ringling Brothers and the Barnum and Bailey Circus, and that was the main entertainment. But now there's film and circus has managed to survive, Mm. which is really awesome. And I was watching some videos of the two of you performing. And one of the things that struck me about it is you are so engaging with the audience. You actually bring people in. Yes. I mean, there's one one part where this this rather sort of awkward looking man (laughs) is kind of doing this weird little dance with you. And then I think somebody ends up doing a backflip. Not neither of you. Not not one of us, oddly enough. Sometimes the man we bring up on stage does fantastic things uh, with us. We usually bring someone up and, yeah, have fun with him. And sometimes he gives us fantastic gifts and is animated and has a lot of fun with us. Yes, because yeah. looked, he looked most unlikely. And the next thing he was doing this backflip or, do, or, or, or <laughs> cartwheel or something. Yeah, It was amazing. And is that, is, that, is that how you perform generally when you, when you appear in different places? It is. This show that we do uh, here for the Leia Healthcare City Spectacular, the one that we're doing, uh, is called The Silver Starlets. So that one is a, it's a family-friendly comedy aerial acrobatic show. Uh, we talk a lot about um, the show being being just what you said, we really work to to touch the audience and to communicate with them and just have that kind of sense of community with our audience. Um, a lot of the work we do in the circus, we both come from this kind of, we call it the maybe corporate um, circus background. Where Very serious acts. Like or that Cirque du Soleil. Where business parties. Yeah. Um, so we, we really are fortunate that we get to do that same kind of it's a bit of a nod to that with the splits and the sparkles because that's what everybody wants to see is the spectacle. Mm-hmm. But then we really get to um, to bring it 
to bring it to the street and to bring it to maybe unexpecting crowds and just to be people about it and to show them we're, you know, we're, we're fantastic and we do these big feats of strength, but really we're just people and... Relatable. Relatable. You we love are. relating to and, our and, audience. And yet your costumes are wonderful. They really <laughs> are sparkly and they're exactly what one would expect, you know, from splits and sparkles and things. But you also do seriously heavy work assembling. We do. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about that. We have a system. Yes. It's very well thought out. We've um, we've practiced it so mm-hmm. many times. We've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. But we have a very specific system of setting up and taking down our rig. We can actually set it up within seven minutes and have it taken down within five. So it's down to the a science, yeah. I'd say. And that's all part of our show, too. So when you come on over to the festival, you'll see us setting it up and taking down that uh, big, giant steel. Unless there'll be any misunderstanding here. This is a 20-foot tall. Mm-hmm. Or six standing aerial rig. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, it's a giant swing It weighs set. 300 pounds. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? That is a very good question. <laughs> two, some days we do. Is it just one the, Shaquille just O'Neal? <laughs> is, it, is it just the two of you? We, well, we travel around. When we fly in places, we, it travels in four bags. They're actually just like snowboard bags. Mm-hmm. So they're on wheels. We tra- break it down into like six foot long pieces and they all go into bags and we carry them around. I think you have a lot of fun at costumes, do you? I was going yeah. to say, yes, I'm yeah. saying it goes ahead of you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we get, during our show, we get some people that kind of help us. We do need one or two strong, able bodies to help us get it up in the air. But yeah, like Gloria said, it's about seven minutes up, five minutes down. And we fly it on the airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it goes in the back of my minivan when we're back home. Yep. Right. Stow and go. And I don't have children. And, and, just, and just tell me this, in terms of circus life, mm-hmm. We have this image of circus live as a, a sort of the circus happening now where there's various different acts and then they all pack up after sort of a week or whatever it is and they all take off in convoy. Does mm-hmm. that happen or are you quite separate from uh, all of that? Well, that that's <laughs> kind of does it happen. It kind of does, yeah. A lot of the times, like, we are, we're our own act, the Silver Starlets. Um, I, I have a company with my boyfriend, so we actually have seven shows between him and myself. So sometimes we end up at a at shows together, but a lot of the times we're also at festivals uh, around the world where we will see the same performers from around the world and we're on kind of the same tour. So, you know, next mm-hmm. weekend we'll be together somewhere else and the next weekend somewhere else. And it's really exciting when we get to see each other. We have friends from around the world that we get to hang out with for weeks here and there. Yeah. So. It you're, is very exciting yeah, to see our friends. Yeah, Molly, your boyfriend mm-hmm. is a professional circus performer and he performs the hockey circus show. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How does that work? <laughs> he juggles flaming hockey sticks. Right. He was actually voted one of the most Canadian things you'll ever see, but <laughs> he is also American. So <laughs> And Laura, your boyfriend is a helicopter pilot, of course. He is, yes. He is also a truck driver. Right. He's the manly man. So yeah, a hard, a hard, a hard working guy. You'd like to have him around when you're assembling a rig or of whatever. Of course. He has helped yes. us a few times. Yes. Now listen, tell me, how did how the two of you met, I presume, while you were on a in the same circus or something, did you? Yep. Just yep. in Toronto, uh, just in the kind of the corporate circus world that's there. It's a small community, so that's where you know each other from. Mm-hmm. And is it easy to make a living from this? Are your parents delighted with your income, for example? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. we get to travel around the world doing what we love. And like I said, it's it's a business. It's a full-time job, yes. more it's than like, that. It's like being a contractor. <laughs> like, you could compare it to being a, a plumber. Right. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe not that... Exact but, comparison, but yes. Yeah, we, but similar. that's right. We do. We we put in the work. Um, we go to usually two, three, or four trade shows a year as well. So where we meet clients, we work 
like we're doing for the Leia um, Healthcare City Spectacular, which is a busker festival, a street performer festival, uh, which means that nobody, we're actually really not paid to be there. And literally, we're paid by the performers or by the, the audience that come in. So we do pass the hat um, at the end. Oh, this so, is important. Yeah, yes. Very so, important. <laughs> so very good question. So the, the festival itself, Leila Healthcare City Spectacular, is uh, completely free entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the performers uh, work off of donations. So for people coming down, just really good to remember to, you know, bring some bills, bring some cash around just to tip the performers. It bills. allows us to keep doing what we do, essentially. So it is that it is that important. But there are some other amazing activities going on at, Le- at Leia Healthcare City Spectacular. Lord, how, how generous are people? Um, but people are very generous and we've, we've, we're lucky to be able to travel and meet such amazing new people everywhere we go. So we, we can't say that we're disappointed with anything. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it really is the more that you connect with people, the more generous, you know, mm-hmm. they are too. And that's why we're interested in just bringing a show that we can make people laugh and smile and, yep. and brighten up their day maybe a little bit. I, I always say the story of a, when I first started street performing, I was doing shows with my boyfriend, um, in Victoria, Canada, we were doing street street shows, and uh, it's kind of my first summer working the streets. A little bit intimidating, a little scary. And uh, I had this uh, man come up to me at the end and, and of the show, and he said, "You know what?" He's like, "I just wanted to let you know." He's like, "I've been dealing with a bout of cancer, and I just finished my first round of chemo." And he's like, "I'm here on vacation with my wife, taking a week off." He's like, "I just realized watching your show was the first time in months that I hadn't thought about the pain I was in," mm-hmm. and like that to me was just like whoa, like, we're doing this for so much more than just ourselves. Like, it's more than just showing off or showing off my tricks or it, it's about entertaining. It's about touching somebody else. Whether that, you know, we can bring them out of whatever kind of bad day they're going through. We make them smile or a little bit or laugh or, you know, take them off their cell phone, staring at their cell phone to watch us exactly. in live thing. And, and that, you know, that real community is what we're working to create in the show and that real community does affect the hats we get. We know we have a good show and we touch people. Because there is something of awe and wonder about it, that the heights you operate at, Mm -hmm. the fact that you have honed your bodies Mm -hmm. to the very best that they can be in terms of agility and that. How hard is that to maintain, Laurie? Well, we we train five to seven days a week, actually. On in our off season, when we're not on tour, we have very intensive training schedules. We train from six to eight hours per day. Um, you know, doing various conditioning exercises to make sure that we're really strong and capable, uh, so that show days are easy for us and we can do them without difficulty. And I presume neither of you has a problem with height. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we're pretty know. good. Yeah, yeah, different people, different different tastes, right? I mean, I Glory's a fantastic spinner. I have a problem spinning, <laughs> but Glory in, in the show she spins on our uh, custom made aerial net. And she's the like, figure skating probably. You, you spin on what? <laughs> uh, I spin on a suspended aerial net. It's a uh, looped net. So a lot of the times when people find out we perform outside over top of concrete, uh, they ask us if we use a net. And we say, yes, we've just folded it up, put it in the air, and then I get to spin on it for entertainment. Wow. <laughs> and, and this is a terrible question to ask. Have you ever fallen? Uh, we've had a little little bit of things, but luckily mm. nothing major. You had a little thing last no. year at the, at the P&E, but like... 
Yeah, nothing, nothing terrible. I mean, like I, you know, tripped off a our volunteer. (laughs) I kind of rolled off. That was was an interesting story. I guess we're going, we're going there. (laughs) So I was coming off the trapeze, and we were, um, our 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 wonderful volunteer. We were. You know, like got off and kind of like rolled little stum- a little bit, little but stumbles, just but little things. You know, where you know, bruises here and there, they're gonna happen. But yeah. like she said, we train to be pretty tough and pretty hardy and durable. That. Durable is a big thing when you're working and safe place. as well. We we have very you know very yeah. very solid equipment. We, we don't, trust. Yes, and we don't do anything on our show that we know we can't do and we haven't performed a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, tell me this because this is the women's podcast. Um, yes. I'm going to ask this question about about the male element yes. of your audience, the male element of, of, uh, of performance, performers in the business mm-hmm. uh, like yourselves. Is there any sense that it's imbalanced or do you feel that it's, are you accepted in the same respectful way as male performers are, for example? Yes. It's interesting that you ask that because we come, like we said, from a circus background. Mm-hmm. And in the circus, uh, women are actually the peak celebrities of the circus, especially in the traditional circus, the heyday of the circus. Um, we had people like Mabel Stark. Lillian Letzel. Uh, uh, Mayworth. Lillian Letzel is actually probably one of the most biggest celebrities of all mm-hmm. time. She was a female aerialist. Um, and she wasn't just a celebrity within the circus. This was, like Gloria was saying, before television, before, mm-hmm. you know. She was a star. She was the, the queen of the circus. That's she, what they called her. Yeah, queen so. of life. Uh, and she really was fantastic about that. So we always talk about kind of women in the circus were really pioneers of also of being kind of the, like, um, being treated like a star and having that star status. Mm-hmm. Uh, being so fantastic at their craft. So we we do come from, actually, in the circus, we feel very female-dominated the world. Um, the street performer world ha- is very male-dominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the sibling of circus because, <laughs> you know, we, circus brings the, the spectacle, but street performing is about connecting with your audience and, and doing a bunch mm. of important yeah. things for them. And But for us, just like we look up to the, the females that came before us in the circus world, we also look up to the men that came before us in the... Street performing world because mm-hmm. we learn so much from them. <laughs> but there's no additional edge to the fact that you're females performing to an audience. Um, uh, honestly, like I feel like there's not a big pool of female street performers to pick from for festivals like this one. So mm-hmm. um, we do. I do feel like we get some fantastic opportunities uh, because of that as well. Actually, next weekend um, I'm down in Kansas. Uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, USA, uh, they're actually having the very first ever all-female street performer festival there, uh, which is fantastic. So there's, I think, 12 female acts. Um, And we were talking to Shell about this festival. Mm -hmm. And actually, most of these busker festivals and festivals alike are run by women and Mm -hmm. strong, strong women who have business mindsets and can, and communicate with people and, lead people, which is such a an important thing. And, and I don't think that a lot, I don't think that it's, um, uh, yeah. I don't think that that aspect is talked about a lot. People yeah. do talk about how the street performers are dom- male-dominated. Yes. But yeah. it was interesting. Shell, who was the organizer of the city, the Healthcare City Spectacular, mm-hmm. uh, was telling us, yeah, like, and when you think about it, the Edmonton Street Performer Festival, uh, Kingston, Halifax, Halifax uh, Auckland, we were just in Auckland, New Zealand. City Spectacular, Lay Healthcare. Yeah. yeah. It's run by women. Mm-hmm. So 
there's so, that female influence. Nod so to them. <laughs> so, so there is there is no negative side to this. Is that what you're telling me? No. Mm. Really. I I mean I think that I think that being a female on the street is is very difficult, um, for the obvious reasons of things like, you know, you're always going to be afraid of theft or of. You're on the street, so you're basically you're in public, right? You're vulnerable, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. Um, but we feel everybody that works in our industry that we've come across um, has been really supportive. I think there was an older, older generation of street performers, maybe 30 plus years ago, that maybe weren't as receptive to women coming in. Uh, we've been really fortunate to be surrounded by men that are supportive about it. But So, Molly, if you're giving mm-hmm. advice to a young woman listening to this, should she get involved in this world? Yes, I I think like to me in street performing and and this performing it's really taught me a lot about performing and my art in general and it's really been very empowering mm-hmm. for me uh, personally because like you said on the street you learn how to deal with a lot of situations you have somebody you know whether it's somebody on the street who's like yelling at you in the middle of your show heckling you <laughs> that's what we call yeah you know, whether it's like sometimes you're standing there and you're like I don't even know are there enough people here to do a show nobody's gonna stop and watch mm-hmm. and how am I gonna do this and then at the end you you finish a show and you've you've stopped 100 or 200 plus people and you made that happen mm-hmm. from yeah. nothing exactly and that's what makes it all worth it and it makes you a better performer yeah. as well when you have tough shows um, those are actually the shows that you grow the most from not easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I suspect not. And Molly, I'm told yeah. so, sort of here that you are the chatty one. Okay. Uh, and that <laughs> Gloria is the one who pets every dog she comes across. I am. Yeah, it's um, definitely so, true. Which, which implies to me, Gloria, that you're, you're, you're this, this, you actually have to, you had to build yourself up to do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of I mean, both of you, because you are actually, you've described it very well. You, you're putting every bit of yourself on the line here. Absolutely. You're, yeah. Yeah. So it's not easy. No, I mean, and I think in our modern society with how much social media we have, how glued to our phones we are as as a whole, I think that street performing is, that is one challenging part of it because we're pulled back from that and it's the most like raw form of interaction, like face to face. Like if you're gathering a crowd, you're controlling a crowd. So that really pulls us back into reality. And that's what I love about it is that it pulls you back into that, into that, in this moment. Mm-hmm. How long do you think you can go on? I'm going to keep going. That's a wonderful <laughs> thing, too, about the circus world and the street performing world is you get better and better as you go, uh, whether it's learning new skill sets like mm-hmm. juggling and, you know, once our bodies, I mean, acrobatics, I got 10, 15 more years in me for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm 34 now. Um, but, you know, in the last few years, I've started learning more about other skill sets, like I said, juggling and uh I do rodeo rope tricking and more object manipulations. Really? Different specialties to, Different specialties. to and, learn. And, and we're just going to become better performers, learn how to connect with our audiences more, learn how to be funny, mm-hmm. learn how to write jokes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's harder than it sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so you're not really that funny. We so, try really so hard. As you get older, you broaden your skill set and that's how you prepare for the yep. next phase. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And you, use, evolution. you use the bumps and the humps to, to become better through them. You know, if, you, if a circus performer gets injured, they have to learn to adapt to work around that and and that's what makes us better performers I think that the tough times are what really make you come out on top well you have our awe and admiration oh thank you you. 
Molly and Laurie, thank you so much for coming into the Women's Podcast and the very best of luck with the Leia Healthcare Spectacular. Thanks. Thank you. Thank I'm you going to so come much. and look at you. Yes, please do. Please come say hello. I want to see you assembling this rig for a start. Come up, say hello. We uh, we actually do a little meet and greet at the end of the show. We give little like a uh, free souvenir training cards out to kids and kids at heart. So if anybody comes on out, you know, come up, say hi, tell us you listen to the podcast. We love talking after the shows. Take a picture. Yes, yeah. sounds like wonderful. Yeah. We'll see you there <laughs> yes. and put a big hat out. Oh, so the Leia Healthcare City Spectacular is taking place this year. It's on Friday, July twelfth through Sunday. July 14th in Marion Square in Dublin. Yep, and we also have Saturday, July 20th and Sunday, July 21st, uh, 2019 <laughs> in the Fitzgerald Park in Cork. Okay, so. let's hope for great weather. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you arrived at a lovely time actually in May in Ireland, so yes, I hope yes. it's the same when you arrive next. Blue skies and green grass, it's lovely. Cheers. <laughs> Molly and Glory, thanks a million. Yes, thank you for having us. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Now, on Tuesday 21st of May, a very interesting event is taking place in Dublin for any of you out there who are interested in interior design. I think that's nearly everyone, is it? Denise O'Connor is an architect and interior designer who runs her own design consultancy, Optimise Design. Part of what the company does is host Optimise Home events, focusing on interiors with lots of practical advice and insider tips on where to begin when planning the interiors for your home. Denise came into studio recently to talk to Roisin all about it. So, Denise, thank you very much for coming in. Um, this is a subject close to my heart. I have a podcast at the moment called Back to Yours where I'm going to people's houses and looking at how they live. And one thing that really comes through is, you know, the joy people have about, um, well, this is where we hang out or this is where, you know, this is. it's a lot about how you interact with your family and where all the aesthetic is obviously important. And we know that at the end of the day, you want your house to work for you in the way that you want to live. So... I wanted to talk to you about that because you go and you design people's houses and the spaces that they want. But what do you want people to get back to more? Is it that kind of sense of how you're going to live in the home and how do you make the rooms and the place work for you in that way? Definitely. I think, you know, when people are thinking about their homes um, and especially now with social media, with every street that you walk down, there's a skip outside. So I think people are under a lot of pressure to do something with their house and they want their houses to look like all the the images they're seeing on Instagram and Pinterest and stuff. But for me, you know, I'd I'd love to start seeing people pull back a little bit and take their time and really assess how they're living in their house, how they want to live in their house, what their family needs, what their needs will be in the future, because it's very easy to rush out and just try and solve an immediate problem. But then six months, a year down the line, you need to do something else. And it just starts this cycle of kind of tacking on to... Yeah, I've been down that road, I have to say, the tacking on thing. And yeah. it's after a while, you should go, oh God, here I am. And you kind of realise, if I had just looked at this in a very holistic way at the beginning, I wouldn't be hearing as it's awful, it's heart-sinking feeling. No, it's terrible. And there is just that air of panic, you know. Yeah. And, and it is just about no weight. And like, it's interesting, I did it at my own house recently. And, you know, in the past, I would always have tried to find people or find ways for people to phase work if they didn't have the budget to do the whole thing from the beginning. And now having gone through it myself, I'd say never do that. You're not a phase work no. advocate at all. Just now. wait. You know, if it means hang I think on. you're right. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's so disruptive. It's such a, 
uh, a stressful thing to go through that you want to just go through it once and you're better off getting the whole job done at the one time and that way then you don't have to go back and have to undo anything. So yeah, much better to wait. Right, when you have the money and even though it means yeah. living sort of in a situation you're not totally happy with but at least when yeah. you go to do it it'll be all done. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so tell me some of the things that can enhance sort of people's well-being and the stuff that maybe if you don't have a huge budget or you don't have, you're not in that place yet where you can do the things you want to do what small things can change because for me I've had a recent experience of for the first time in my life uh, getting proper curtains I know that probably sounds crazy but I realised I had never had what I would call proper curtains before so I went to a place it's gold cloth I don't know if you know it oh very good oh my god it's it's just uh, beside Stephen's Green Shopping Centre and they sell material basically Mm. but they also make make curtains for you and we went in and we looked through all these beautiful um, prints and they're all from Liberty as you know about Liberty but then not so beautiful was the gigantic price for these bloody things so so we were all like oh look at those amazing and they're okay not getting them but then the very helpful person in the shop she put us towards some other ones anyway we ended up choosing this gorgeous velvet uh, green material sort of an uh, teal I think is the word lovely oh beautiful and they went they made the curtains and they also then had this person who hung them properly and it's a really small thing. They were quite expensive now. For, yeah. I didn't realise curtains were so expensive, yeah, yeah. but apparently grown-up proper curtains are. <laughs> but it is uh, something that has actually enhanced our bedroom like so much, made so, such a big difference. And for something I wouldn't have realised could actually change the character of a room. So for me, that was one thing. And I bet there's other things like that because lighting is another thing, isn't it? That's oh, so definitely. Important. Lighting is really important. And, you know, one of the simplest things you can do is look at the colour temperature of the bulbs in the house because okay. I don't know if you've noticed you can get this almost like dentist surgery like yeah. <laughs> white light or you can have that lovely warmer tone so you definitely want to be going for the warm tone and on the boxes you'll actually see they'll give you what they call the colour temperature okay. so you want to go for warm so that'll instantly make the whole place feel more calm and relaxing um, another really simple thing to do is get your switches changed to dimmers so that you can control the lighting levels. So, in, you know, in lamps, for example? Because well, on your walls, okay. you know, on the wall switches. So yeah, that's yeah. An, easy, an easy enough one to do. And then there's really clever bulbs. Philips do one that are Wi-Fi enabled. So you can get a little app on your phone and you can change the colour from green to purple to pink oh to whatever you want you're talking and my language I want, I want to find out where'd you get them I oh anywhere yeah. so any good lighting store will sell them Philips Hue okay and you just then you can set them to come on or go off or whatever time. So even if you're away on holidays, they're brilliant things to have because you can turn lights on and off. So make so it look as looks if like there. there's That's somebody great. there. Yeah, so really, really easy and not that expensive. And where do you stand on lamps? Because I, as I get older, I've decided like lamps are the thing, and I'm going to start a big collection because I think when you have all that side lighting going on, yeah. you can create a much nicer atmosphere. So much nicer, Roshan. You're absolutely right. Like it's it's funny. My brother calls the ceiling lights the emergency lighting. Oh, yes. <laughs> Really and I thought it was brilliant because it really is like there's nothing worse than sitting in a room with all I the, go around turning off oh, all yeah, the main the lights same, I can't absolutely. handle it I yeah. always want this and yeah. my boyfriend doesn't have quite the same aller- allergic reaction to yeah. it so we're kind of constantly turning on and off each other's lights but uh. <laughs> no that's it yeah so no lamps are fabulous and again you know they just create a- ambience and atmosphere and that's so important these days there is like such a massive industry of these people that are called clean fluencers. There's actually a new word to describe. I've heard of that word before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> clean fluencers. The latest one I've seen is this woman called Mrs. Hinch and the book is called Hinch Yourself Happy and it's flying off the shelves. People are, it's like there's this massive hunger to be told how to live in your house and, and Mary Kondo did it and I actually, mm-hmm. I do think what she has to say is good. But um, 
there's something quite infantilizing about it because, and I read a column about it over the weekend where, you know, we've come so far as women, particularly being, you know, like we don't have to spend all our life cleaning up and we don't mm-hmm. have, and now there's like this glut of books going, basically putting us back in the house and getting better at housework than we ever were because there aren't men buying these books. You know what I mean? Yeah, the guys yeah, yeah. aren't out no, looking no. at what Mrs. Hinch tells them to do. <laughs> so I kind of find it's a little bit retrograde. I'm a bit yeah. worried about it. Oh, it's, I think it just comes down to stuff and stuff being so available and it's so easy to buy stuff. Like you can sit on a Sunday morning in your pyjamas and order God yeah. knows what from anywhere That's and so it'll true, come yeah. in 24 hours. And like it was fascinating. I found a survey that was done, I think it was UCLA, where they tracked it was something like 40 middle class families um, in Los Angeles. And what they found was that there was an increase in stress hormones in the women in the house over trying to manage people's belongings. And just, you know, their garages were chock-a-full of boxes that hadn't been opened. It was just crazy. So there's just this influx of stuff and we just don't know what to do with it. But this is the thing. So it's the two things happening. We're sitting, clicking and getting, Mm. going to Ikea and and then we're also going, oh, but it's too much stuff. So now we need to be told how to manage it all. And then we keep buying more stuff. It's, there's something. it's a vicious cycle. There's something wrong. You know what I mean? Really wrong. What do you recommend when you see that sort of habit or that? thing in people and in terms of and I know that word declutter has almost become like a really annoying word as well but we don't need we don't need all this crap do we? No definitely not like and there is such stress associated with it Um, again it comes down to that uh, panic buying I suppose and this pressure that okay I want to make the house look really good particularly things like Christmas time Mm. or Easter and, you know, no matter what shop you go into, the decorations. I went a bit mad from Tiger, actually, for Easter. And I never do that. I have all these leg things hanging on. I mean, I don't know what I was at. Yeah, and it's just, but there, people are under such pressure. Like, I remember seeing a show on TV or something about uh, how to do up your house for Christmas. And then there was this whole thing, do the ground floor. And then why not, lim- you know, don't limit yourself to the ground floor. Bring Christmas upstairs. Oh, and they don't had, like, bring Christmas upstairs. <laughs> Let Christmas stay in the... Oh. And then what do you do with all this stuff? You yeah. know, so I think there is just um, an awful lot of pressure on people to, to rush out and buy things. And it is, is it does it come back to that sort of Instagrammable moments as well? Like we're all trying to show off and say, oh, look at our perfect kind of... Yeah, yeah. It seems a very performative type of aesthetic thing going on. Definitely. It's not just for it's not just for when you close the door and you want to just enjoy your space. You also have to make it be like also everyone else. Look at my amazing that it looks like that image. But then I think what you just said about your curtains and stuff is lovely. That was about. And I haven't Instagrammed them. I have. No, but but they're and they're in your bedroom. And (laughs) that's a little bit of indulgence for you. It definitely feels like that. Yeah. That's so I mean, important. when people come to the house and I go, come in and have a look at my curtains, feel, feel the curtain. They're all feel just the looking at me going, OK, they're just curtains. Yeah. They're not just curtains. <laughs> but I think that's really important, mm. you know, and that's where you, you took time. You didn't rush into that it. That was true. And I think I learned something from that about how, OK, it might take me a while now to save up to, buy, to be able to buy another. But when I go, do go to get curtains again or anything like that, I will take the time because I can mm. see the value of it. Yeah. I didn't really get it before because yeah. everything's so, you can go to Ikea, you can just get these it's things easy. off the rack. It's really easy, easy. Yeah. But actually taking the time, I mean, even the amount of time we sat with those samples of materials, we mm. were there for quite a oh, while. Yeah. Yeah. And in the shop, actually, they have a lovely coffee machine and they keep bringing you coffee. So it's quite a nice experience. Lovely. Know? Once yeah. the kids got over the fact that they, we were going to have to be sitting <laughs> there, there for a while. while. <laughs> yeah, but they got hot chocolate, so they were okay. That's but okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think people need to calm down with the stuff. And then yeah. also... Trust their own instincts about going back to what it is they want to do in the house. What kind of spaces are they trying mm-hmm. to create? I mean, you mm-hmm. have something about, do you really want the telly to be the focal point of a room? Is that what you want? Yes, exactly. So, like, it is about sitting down and saying, well, what are you trying to achieve here? Like, what is it that you're hoping 
to do more of in your home? What's causing you stress? So for some people, that means we just don't talk enough. You know, there's not enough conversation. here. Everybody's just glued to the TV. So then maybe you want to think about not having the telly as a focal point. So like we've designed storage units where you can close over the door so that you actively have to go and open it up to watch the TV. Um, how you lay out your seating. You know, um, for me, when I was doing my own house, one of the biggest things I wanted to do is to be able to sit and look out onto the garden. So that meant totally rearranging how we sat because, you know, couches are often facing a wall because you're, you're looking at the TV or the fireplace. So that's made a huge difference because you just sit and look and it's so nice to be able to do that. Are there any other things that you've done yourself that you can sort of pass on to others? Yeah, like one of the things, well, my husband did something recently, which was really just really amazing. Off his own back. Off like, his own back, yeah, not, not, not prompted. <laughs> but he got this beautiful chest. We got a lovely chest set for our wedding and it was stuck in a box somewhere and he came across it. And he just like he's sick of the kids on their iPads and Xbox and all this kind of stuff. So he set it up on the coffee table. And they all sit down and play. And even kids who come into the house will sit down and actually play. Like, I'm That's amazed at these really tiny nice tots. Do they know how to play chess? They do. It's like, it's. I don't even know how to play really? chess. See, they're probably learning on some kind of app. Or yeah, well, a lot of them apparently are doing it in school now. It's oh, It's a calm. really good thing yeah, to learn. It's, it's very good for the brain. I wish I knew how to play chess. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. But that's a lovely thing. And it's a focal point and people have a go of it yeah, when they come in. And they, you know, they kind of respect it and it sits there. So I think, you know, having things on view and not hiding everything away is really important too. Yeah. Um, I know we had other clients with loads of books and again, they were just tucked away somewhere and they put them all up and it did encourage people to read more in the house. And well, stuff that's like something that. that's really um, helped. One thing that I have done is create this wall of books that because I again, I had too many and they were everywhere and they were all over the place. And now I just love the space because it's a like it's a big lot of shelves, but it, it really does work. And it's also a place you can put those nice thank you cards that you've received or Lovely. or notes or things like that, that you can also put up um I, I really think if you're if you're a book lover, put them out there, make yeah. them a feature is a really nice thing to do. No, but that's it. And like, I think it is, you know, Marie Kondo will say, keep what sparks joy. Yeah. But you do, you should have things that you can see that make you happy, you know, or that remind you of things, whether it's family photos, things like that, like put them on display. Yeah. So you've got an event coming up where you're going to be talking about all of this. Uh, yes. And who can go and see it? Can anyone go? And Anybody at all. So it's in the Dean Hotel on the 21st of May from 6 to 8 p.m. So there'll be a glass of wine and we'll have um, a colour expert, lighting expert and neuroscientist there. So he'll be kind of giving That insights. sounds very highfalutin now for an interior event. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's shedding some light on, on the science behind why all of this is so important. So it is fascinating stuff, you know, and... One of the things, uh, Michael Keane is his name and what he's very passionate about is that people should trust their gut instinct. And I think you touched on that, mm. Roisin, because it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of, well, that looks fabulous on Instagram, I'll go with that. But actually, you know, you need to just make a decision based on what it is that you yourself actually like. Yeah, and it's funny because sometimes you could be looking for ages and the thing doesn't appear. But I, one other thing, this is again, between curtains and this thing I'm going to say, I'm, I'm sounding very simple, but I don't like my chairs that I have, kitchen chairs. I just, I've mm. hated them for a while, but, you know, chairs are kind of expensive to get nice ones. So I've had this thing, I wanted a bench, you know, and, and I found this lovely bench in this gorgeous shop in a, uh, Georgia Street called Pieces. I don't oh, know if you've yes, seen it. Gorgeous. It's a really nice yeah, new yeah. shop. And it's it's sort of um 
soft bench and it's it's mm. le- it's got a leather kind of top on it and it is just it's meant I could get rid of two or three of the, the chairs that I don't like and you know it's great for the kids and I'm thinking of getting another one actually so I'm a big advocate now of, of benches yeah, but the right yeah. benches because I was looking for a long time and they all looked very uncomfortable and they didn't look like they were going to fit the bill but now I have between the bench and the curtains Fabulous. I'm really nearly getting it but again it. you took your time and you yeah, shopped around you didn't rush it's out the and old just, age I think I'm yeah, starting to finally realise the wise wise stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, so the event is um, it's called the Optimize Home event because that's yes. your company. And it's May 21st in the Dean Hotel. It sounds like it's going to be fascinating. I love the neuroscience aspect because then we can feel like we're really learning something as well while that's we it. drink our wine and talk yeah. about colour swatches and curtains and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so what, what do you think people uh, who, who should go to it then? So anybody who's looking to improve their home, who's, you know, feeling that they, they want to make a change, not sure how to make a change. Anybody really, even people going through, say, a build or a renovation, because it is more interiors focused. So it's kind of aimed at helping you put the finishing touches to your home. OK, brilliant. Denise O'Connor, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for today. Thanks to all our guests today, Denise O'Connor, Molly Kazan and Glory Deerling. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Spotify. Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we are on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com